Coming up, takeaways from the first two games in the World Series and three ways the Arizona Diamondbacks are alike and dislike from the World Series teams, all on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so follow us, Locked on Diamondbacks on the YouTube channel. Hit subscribe so you can see my ugly mug every day. But now, I want to do a little... Fun game, comparing, contrasting the D-backs of the World Series teams, how we are alike, how we are different. But before we get there, let's actually talk about some takeaways from the World Series so far. And the first major takeaway I have from this series, because I do think this World Series has been a lot of fun. The Phillies, I thought, were going to lose that game one, and then they came battling and rallying back in that game. And so this is a super competitive series. It's been super close to the first two games. We are heading back to Philadelphia, who right now might have the best home crowd in all of baseball. I grew up on the East Coast. I went to a decent amount of Phillies games growing up. I've been to a decent amount of stadiums now in my lifetime. And I got to say, I do think the Phillies home crowd is the best home crowd I've been to in baseball. Sorry, Chase Field and D-backs fans. Sorry, Petco Park and Padres fans. I do believe from the ballparks I've experienced, the Phillies have the best ballpark um, or the best home crowd, I should say. And so the series is now heading back to Philadelphia and the Phillies 1-1 series, I still think they're probably feeling like they're in a pretty solid position with how they're situated in the series. They lost game two, but they were able to at least get game one and steal one of the two road games in Houston. So I do think they're feeling good heading back. But my first major takeaway from this series that I don't think Philadelphia fans are feeling too happy about right now is the fact that Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler both weren't super effective in their first start because Aaron Nola, I think his spin rates have been up recently in his past few starts. But against the Houston Astros, he looked really good to start that game. I think it was the first um, couple innings. Aaron Nola was actually solid. I mean, he gave up a home run to Kyle Tucker in the... Uh, I guess you can't say Aaron Nola was actually solid. I guess I was misremembering it. Um, but because the Astros did get five runs on Aaron Nola through the first um, second... Through the first three innings. So I, I can't say that he started quickly in that game. And for the Philadelphia Phillies... To see Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, your two frontline starters, both give up nine earned runs total in their first two starts, can't make you feel confident in the series because you're going to need one, if not both of them, to have a second turn 
through the rotation in this series. And if the Houston Astros are already locked into what those two guys are doing, because this Philadelphia Phillies rotation, I don't think is super deep in terms of really high quality, high ceiling talent. Like Noah Syndergaard is going in game three. And the reason he was able to win um, one of his games in the last series is because it was really a big bullpen effort. I think against a series against Atlanta Braves where he won uh, the clinching game. It was a big bullpen effort. And I'm not a huge Back in the day, it was big Noah Syndergaard, Thor fan. But nowadays, I don't have a ton of trust in Noah Syndergaard. And if I'm a Phillies fan and I can't rely on Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, my two biggest workhorses to get me through a series, if those are the two guys that are getting lit up in my rotation, then like I'm not going to feel that confident in my team. Like Those are supposed to be two of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. Some people think Zach Wheeler should have won the Cy Young Award last season. And if those two guys are looking more like number three and number four starters, because they're going against this great Astros team, like you need those guys to be on the men and at least keep the game close. No more than three earned runs. But if those guys are giving up four to five earned runs, and they're doing that early. That's not good for this Phillies offense. That's not good for this Phillies pitching staff. That's not good for this Phillies bullpen. So Zach Wheeler and Aaronola not looking good in the first two games. A little worrisome. My second takeaway from the first couple games of this series we talked about the starting rotation not being good, but at least the Phillies bullpen continues to impress because they have yet to give up an earned run. And this was a bullpen that we were like, okay, it, it was probably the weakness of this team from the regular season. It was really good in the playoffs. Like it, it was doing it, doing what they needed to do during this playoff run to this World Series. And in the World Series, they just continued to impress no matter who Rob Thompson is throwing out there, out the bullpen. Guys are producing. Guys are coming through in high leverage moments. Guys are making big pitches. Houston Astros, like that game that went to extra innings, like there's so many opportunities where the Astros would get two men on, runners in scoring position, and the Phillies bullpen just kept making big pitch after big pitch. And so I've really been impressed with a Phillies bullpen that, I again, I didn't have a lot of trust and confidence in entering the playoffs I've been able to build up some trust and confidence in them with what I've seen throughout the postseason. But still, you when you compare the Phillies bullpen to the Astros bullpen, like it was night and day entering the World Series. And so far, if I threw out all the statistics from the regular season, the playoffs, I just said, I test wise, these two bullpens so far in the World Series through two games, which one is better? It's a coin toss because that's how good this Phillies bullpen has been. So that's been a huge takeaway that I've had. And then the third big takeaway that I've had so far from the World Series is this Astros offense likes to put pressure on you early, but they're having trouble finishing these games because the Astros offense, we saw in that game one, like I mentioned, five earned runs put up against Aaron Nola through the first three innings. In game two, they were able to get five runs, four earned runs to Zach Wheeler in the first five innings. So both times in the first two games, through five innings, the Astros had a 5 nothing lead. But in that first game, the uh, the, the Phillies were able to come back. They were able to come storming back, make a rally. The Astros not able to put on another run after the third inning. You look at game two, the Astros put on no more runs after the fifth inning. The Phillies were able to get a couple of runs late, but this Astros team, the offense, it comes on early. It puts pressure on the opposing team early, which you do like to see. You do like to see the opposing offense, you know, after three innings. Whoa, there's three to four runs on the board. Like, that does put pressure on the opposing batters at the plate. It makes every pitch feel even more pressurized. But at the same time, 
We know this Phillies team likes to rally, and if the Astros are going to go cold after the fifth inning, is going to give the Phillies an opportunity to come back in all these ball games and maybe have a wild finish and just have a level of excitement as a fan for us to see the comebacks and the rallies by the Phillies or the other team, vice versa, the Astros coming back against the Phillies. It's just a ton of fun to watch right now. So the Astros offense, they're putting in work early to put pressure on the Phillies offense, but because the Astros offense hasn't been great at closing, it's given the Phillies offense a chance to come back, claw back into these ball games. That's what we've seen. I think it's been really fun and it's made it a really exciting World Series so far. Now, if you want to bet on which of these teams is going to pull out and win the World Series because it's only a 1-1 series tie right now, so it's anybody's ball game to win the World Series. So if you want to place a bet on who you think is going to win, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for football betting and for the start of the new basketball season. Following the latest player developments. Ooh, excuse me, I got to start over because I didn't put my overlay on for the YouTube channel, for the YouTube audience. Let me start over. If you want to bet on who's going to win the World Series or who's going to be World Series MVP, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for football betting and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast and let's discuss three ways the D-backs are alike. Three ways we could compare these World Series teams. Uh, three ways we could compare the D-backs to these World Series teams and say, hey, maybe they're not too far off. And the first way you could compare and contrast the D-backs in these World Series teams and say, hey, I could find some similarities. I think the first one is when you look at that Phillies team specifically, they got two really good frontline rotation members just like the Arizona Diamondbacks, because the D-backs, of course, uh, once again, I'm going to say, I believe Merrill Kelly and Zach, and Zach Allen can both finish in the top 10 of Cy Young voting. Gallant, I think, is going to finish top three, if not top two. Merrill Kelly might be a little bit tougher, but I think he can finish top 10 as well. The Phillies, Wheeler was a guy who could have won the Cy Young award last year. Aaron Nola is always in the mix as well. So you're seeing this Phillies team, and they've won a lot of games this season based off those two frontline starters. Those two guys are huge workhorses. They can really go deep into ball games. They really rack up the innings when they're both healthy and right. Those are two guys that can give you six, seven, eight innings in a ball game. And the same is true for Zach Allen or Merrill Kelly because Merrill Kelly is one of the league leaders in innings pitch in the National League. He's someone that's been able to really remain healthy throughout his time as a starter except for 2020. And when Merrill Kelly's healthy, you know, whether he's pitching effectively or not, he's going to be an innings eater, and he's so much more than that now. He's a legit 
number two, number three starter in a rotation with the way he did this past year. As long as he's with Brent Strom, I believe Merrill Kelly can be uh, a upper echelon, upper rotation member um, on a playoff rotation. And then Zach Allen, I think we all know that guy is a beast. Zach Allen, I think, will win a Cy Young Award over the next couple of years as long as he's with Brent Strom. So I do think these two teams are very similar. Zach Allen, Zach Wheeler. The two Zachs are by far the two best pitchers in the rotation. And then Aaron Nola, I think, is considered a way better pitcher probably in the national media's national fans' perspective than a Merrill Kelly. But statistically, Merrill Kelly's probably been a better pitcher than Aaron Nola this season. So I think both of these teams put a lot of eggs in the baskets of their two frontline starters. Both of these teams don't exactly have really deep rotations, not a lot of rotation depth. After their two frontline starters, you look at the Phillies. Ranger Suarez is solid. He's a good pitcher. You got Noah Syndergaard back there, but it's not options that make you think, okay, those are guys, you know, if Aaron Noller or Zach Wheeler get hurt, I feel good now as Ranger Suarez is my number two. You probably don't feel that way if you're a Phillies fan. Same with the D-backs. If Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly goes down, do you think I want to rely on Mad Bum as my number two? Probably not. We're looking at Dre Jamison or... Ryan Nelson is the true number three, number fours of this rotation, most likely for next season. So for this D-backs team, a lot of stock in the two frontline starters and not a lot of rotation depth after that, just like this Phillies team that's also in the World Series. So it's not all bad that maybe you don't have a lot of depth after your two frontline starters, because like the Phillies, they're also in the World Series with the same issues. And then another compare and contrast between the D-backs and Phillies, they were one steal apart from each other in the total amount of steals by both teams this season in the entire Major League Baseball. I think the Phillies team stole 105 bases. I think the D-backs stole 104 bases. They were both like top six or seven, I believe, in stolen bases. And so for both of these teams, they're able to get on the bases and just create havoc. And for the D-backs, I think that number is going to rise even more the next year because they have actual speedsters. Like the Phillies were getting... The Phillies team had one more steal than the D-backs team. They were able to do it with 21 steals from JT Real Muto. Kyle Schwarber had 10 steals. Bryce Harper had double-digit steals. Bryson Stott had double-digit steals. Like It wasn't a lot of guys who were burners, and the Phillies were still able to be aggressive on the base pass despite not having ex exactly speedsters on their team. They were still able to get super aggressive, take advantage of opportunities, and really just create havoc and chaos on the base pass and really make you think as an opposing pitcher when you're on the bump and you see you know runners behind you movement guys taking off going back to base you don't know whether you need to do a pickoff attempt whether your catcher needs to throw down to keep them honest like there's just so many more things you have to think about so many more variables and like this d-backs team seems going to be true for them next season going forward i mean they're just going to be adding so much more speed onto this team over the next couple years and then the guys who are already on the team, they're just going to get more opportunity, like a full season of Corey McCarroll, a full season of Jake McCarthy, more Dalton Varsho, more Alec Thomas, maybe some Jordan Lawler next year. Like The D-backs team speed is just going to be absolutely ridiculous over the next couple of years. And the Phillies have shown having team speed is very useful. It's a very important skill, and it's something that's been a dying breed in baseball. But I think both the Phillies and Astros show that team speed is still very important. So glad to see that the D-backs are a team full of speed. Excuse me, a team full of speed. Then the last thing that I think the D-backs compare really nicely to both of these teams is I think both of these teams, maybe not the entire strength, but 
for the Phillies, I think their strength is their outfield. And then for the Astros, I think, you know, arguably, it's arguably their strength is their outfield too because you look at this Phillies team, Schwarba, Castellanos, Bryce Harper, like their best offensive weapons are in their outfield. Schwarber is, I think, the league leader in home runs in the National League this past season. Bryce Harper, MVP last year, another MVP candidate this year. Well, we see what he's doing in the postseason. Been the best player this playoffs. And you also got um, Nick Castellanos, big free agent signing. Um, defensive liability out there, but has a huge bat. And then you look at this Houston Astros team. I mean, Jordan Alvarez, one of the best three, four American League players this past season, MVP candidate. Kyle Tucker, one of the most underrated players in baseball. Like Both of those teams, I think you can make an argument that their strengths of both of those teams is their outfield. And I think for this D-backs team over the next three to seven years, I think their strength is going to be their outfield too because you're going to have the Corbin Carrolls, of course. You're going to have the Dalton Varshals as well. But then you got Thomas, Jake McCarthy, and eventually Drew Jones as well. Like, this D-backs outfield is loaded, just like the Astros outfield, just like the Phillies outfield. And it makes me feel really good as a D-backs fan that those two teams, you can make the case that maybe the outfield is their strength. And for this D-backs team, their strength is probably also their outfield. Now I want to look at some dislikes and some things that the D-backs don't compare favorably to the two World Series teams. But first, I want to say thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen today. Make your second listen of the day Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss three ways the D-backs don't compare to the two World Series teams. I think the first, I think the biggest thing, the first thing they have to point out, the biggest way the D-backs don't compare to these World Series teams, specifically the Houston Astros, is the bullpen is freaking fantastic for the Astros. They led the entire Major League Baseball in bullpen ERA. This Phillies team, we know their bullpen was a weakness during the regular season, but guess what? As soon as this bullpen start performing well, this team is now in the World Series. Like We see the importance of a good quality bullpen because when your bullpen is good, then you can survive a game where you're like the Phillies and your starter gives up five earned runs. You can survive that game because your bullpen comes in and just shuts off the water faucet. No more action. No more running water. It's done. We have closed the tap, and now our offense has a chance to come back and rally. When you have guys that you could bring in, when you have versatility in your bullpen, when when we saw that World Series game that went to extra innings, how many back and forth scenarios where there were one team got runners on and then it was a big jam. Maybe it was only one out and a runner on second and third. And then you had to bring in a different bullpen reliever to get yourself out of that jam. Having multiple guys that you can trust in a high leverage moments, having multiple guys they could use as a lefty specialist, maybe as a righty they could use for righty on lefty matchups. And maybe as a guy that you could just come in and just throw heat and get you a strikeout. Maybe you have a guy that could come in and force that ground ball to get you that double play ball. Having different dudes in your bullpen with versatility, different 
and dudes that you can use on different scenarios, different situations to get that one or two outs that you need in a big ball game. It's so important. Or maybe you just have. Because I feel like the Astros have different dudes that you need for different scenarios. Meanwhile, the Phillies are like, yo, we just have three or four guys that we really trust, and we're just going to use the one that's the freshest that day. Either way works. As long as you have those three to five guys that you can trust in a big high-leverage moment, the D-backs do not have that right now. And until they get there, I don't think they're ever, ever going to get to sniffing the World Series. Another thing that the D-backs can't really compare to the Astros or Phillies is both of those teams have legit middle-of-the-order sluggers. I think the D-backs over the next few years, if Dalton Varsho continues to impress, Corbin Carroll continues to progress, maybe a Drew Jones, maybe a Jordan Lawler, Christian Walker continues to do what you do. I do think the D-backs have a path to having some middle-of-the-order sluggers, but right now I look at this D-backs team, there's no you know, middle-of-the-order combination of Kyle Tucker and a Jordan Alvarez. And then you also have like an Altuve who's got 30 home run pop as well. Or you look at this Phillies team that has that Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, middle of the order that could just get bomb to bomb to bomb, back to back to back. Like this D-backs team, like they're going to have dudes that could definitely hit home runs. But I don't know if any of them strike the fear as a power bat slugger when you got two men on. I'm afraid of this guy cranking it with one swing in the bat to just put a crooked number on the board. Christian Walker makes you feel for makes you fearful of that. I think Dalton Varsha could get there. Corbin Carroll could get there one day too. Kento Marte has the potential, but there's just not as much certainty currently on this D-backs team as there is with the Phillies or Astros in that scenario. Like at any moment, you feel like this Astros or Phillies team can swing the bat one time. They get one or two men on. You're just waiting for that one opportunity for Jordan Alvarez to come up and poke it. Kyle Tucker, someone, there's so many dudes that you're like, okay, if this guy hit a home run right now in this scenario, I would not be surprised at all. JT Romuto in extra innings in that first game, he hit the go-ahead home run in the 10th inning. Like, so many of these guys come through in big moments with a big fly ball. I'm not sure the D-backs are on that level just yet. And then the final way that the D-backs don't really compare to either team is both of these teams are pretty good with runners in scoring position. Both of these teams are on the upper echelon. Both the bug league average of runners in scoring position because the Astros and Phillies were both like a 270 average, 790 OPS team with runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, the D-backs were like a 240 average team with like a 707 OPS where runners in scoring position. And it's just not good enough. And I do think the D-backs will get better in that area as their offensive players in their lineup get better like we just talked about the Carroll's the Varshows, the Martes, like there's so many players in this lineup that I like a lot from this D-backs team. And maybe they don't have the home run potential, the home run ceiling as like a Phillies or an Astros, but they do have the contact potential, the RBI potential to come through with runners in scoring position. Like there's no reason why a Corbin Carroll can't be just one of the league leaders in doubles and bring us home RBIs that way. Same with the Dalton Varsho. And in a couple years, a Drew Jones and Jordan Lawler as well. Like I think this D-backs offense is going to be really explosive, really high octane over the next few years, and it might not have to be just via the long ball. It won't have to be like the Bronx Bombers of the Yankees the last few years where it feels like home run or bust is your offense. No, you can play small ball. You can do it with speed. You can just do it with removing runners over, and maybe you just do a leadoff double, and then you get another double after that, and just do extra base hit galore. That's not via the home run. Like, I think there's going to be so many different ways that this D-backs team can win ball games once they have their full complement of young pieces on this roster. So I'm very excited for this D-backs future. I do think they're closer to maybe being a World Series team than not being a World Series team. Like, do I think this 
D-backs team is closer to being the best team in baseball as opposed to the worst team in baseball? Yeah, I do think that. I do think they're closer to being above mediocrity than below mediocrity. And there's a bunch of things that they still have to work on this offseason. Of course, we feel like it's a mantra now at the end of podcasts. Mike Hazen, go get the bullpen help this offseason. It's your biggest homework assignment. But the D-backs could do that. Once again, I believe they could potentially make the wild card in 2023. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Back tomorrow with more Diamondbacks new coverage and insight. We'll be talking with Silly Baseball after Game 3 of the World Series. So it's going to be a fun discussion, I'm sure. As always, with Silly Baseball, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen Every day, go make your second list of the day. Locked on Sports Today or Locked on MLB with our pal Silly Baseball, who you'll hear tomorrow. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.